Hello, and welcome to Priority Status. I'm Kristen Mahler, Senior Vice President at JPR, and I'm here today at the Shangri-La Toronto with my friend Barry Choi, award-winning personal finance and travel journalist. Barry's site, Money We Have, was one of the first dedicated Canadian loyalty sites when it launched in 2014. It's grown since then to encompass all the things you need to know about credit cards, loyalty programs, travel rewards, and earning status. Barry is a trusted expert in all things travel, and he's also a regular guest on CityLine TV locally, and he has a column in the Globe and Mail. So we're really thrilled to have Barry here today. Listen in as we discuss all things loyalty, what to look for when choosing a loyalty program credit card, and how to use points, acquire status, and make the programs work for you. With that, let's dive in. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Priority Status. We're here at the Shangri-La Toronto, and I'm here with Barry Choi, my friend, who's an award-winning journalist. Um, and he is here to talk about personal finance and travel and loyalty and rewards programs. So we're really thrilled to have him here today. Barry, why don't you tell our guests a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a personal finance and travel expert based in Toronto, but I make regular media appearances both in Canada and the U.S. My personal website, moneywehave.com, gets over 100,000 visitors uh, each month. In addition, I write a loyalty column every single month for the Globe and Mail here in Canada, where I write about all things about earning and redeeming points. So I love talking about travel and how to save money on travel. And loyalty points is one of those things that almost everyone can relate to. So I just educate people on how to maximize their points. It's such an interesting area because I feel like everybody can benefit from understanding how to sort of work the system, if you will. How did you come to set up this space for yourself and create, you know, a job for yourself between travel and personal financial ownership? So when I started this, it was really about the fact that I wanted to write a blog because just I had a lot of downtime. So personal finance was always interest. Uh, My parents taught me about that at a young age, but at the time. I had to differentiate myself from other blogs. So I figured, you know, I like traveling. I like saving money about travel. Let's start writing about how to save money on travel. And from there, it grew to loyalty. But what's funny is, you know, not that long ago, you know, less than 10 years ago, the loyalty space in Canada was not very big. There weren't many credit cards. There weren't many loyalty programs. There weren't many tricks or hacks, if you want to call it that. And even in the last decade, things have changed so much. So I've just kind of learned over time. It's no different from anyone who starts at an entry-level job. And then, you know, they pick up skills that gets them to, say, a director level. I've just increased my knowledge over time. And now I share it with everyone because who doesn't like to save money, especially when it comes to travel? You've really made a name for yourself and becoming like the place to go to for being an expert on rewards and loyalty and how to maximize your points and figure out how to maximize being a part of any loyalty club from hotels to airlines. But I feel like airlines is something that is like, so many people are more interested in like, how do I get a good flight? How do I make sure that like I can get an upgrade and all this thing? So what would you sort of tell somebody as they're starting out and looking to get those miles, build their points? What are the best practices for maximizing those reward statuses and different layers of loyalty? So there's a few different things you want to think about, but I always tell people the first thing to consider are your goals. So regardless of where you live, whether that be in the U.S. or Canada, what are your travel goals? So say someone wants to take a business class flight or they just want to go home every single year and visit their parents uh, so they can see their grandkids and they don't want to spend a fortune, especially when you have kids, you know, traveling with four or five people can get expensive very quickly. And the reason you want to focus on these goals first is you need to figure out how you're going to get there. So let's say, for example, you 
you want to fly home and maybe Delta is your, your number one airline or Air Canada is your top airline. Well, you want to see what kind of points that or loyalty programs they have and start collecting those points. So for me, based in Canada, Air Canada is my main airline. Aeroplan is my main loyalty program. And I want to focus on those points. Well, it's actually really, really easy to accumulate those points because there are so many credit cards out there that allow me to earn points, not just on every single purchase, but in addition, the welcome bonuses. So once you start accumulating a lot of points, you will quickly realize that you have a lot more options. But generally speaking, that's just part of the puzzle. You also need to understand how loyalty programs work because they're constantly evolving and changing. So your advice in becoming committed to one carrier is really important. And I think a lot of people kind of look for best deals, right? But you have to really stay focused if your end game is sort of using your points and to get status, to get a certain level or to get a complimentary flight, a free flight somewhere. So here in Canada, Air Canada definitely has sort of like the biggest reach across the country and internationally for sure. But there's just this news about WestJet buying Sunwing this week. And so what are your thoughts about that? And how will that sort of change the landscape for Canadian travelers? Overall, the airline landscape has changed significantly over the years. So the, the WestJet announcement, they actually bought Sunwing you know, a couple months back. It finalized through the Canadian government. They also decided that swoop their discount carrier, they're going to roll it into the main line. So with the Sunwing announcement, what they're actually going to do is roll it into WestJet. And WestJet's really funny because they're like, it's going to create cheaper options for Canadians. But the reality is, is whenever any airline merges an airline, it's not going to be cheaper regardless of where in the world you're flying from. Uh, in most cases, when you're coming down to a single carrier, the prices are actually going to go up because there's going to be less competition. And I hate to say it, but WestJet is really famous for adjusting their prices to not benefit people who collect their loyalty program, uh, WestJet dollars. They artificially inflate prices where they can actually add more taxes or air transport charges is what they call them. So you're actually not allowed to redeem as many WestJet dollars. And this is kind of goes back to what I was saying. You really need to understand each loyalty program. So those listening in the U.S., you know, depending on where you live in the U.S., you know, maybe Southwest really helps you out. They're a discount carrier. They actually have great credit cards. They have a great loyalty program. Uh, so you can get to a lot of destinations. And yeah, you want to focus on them. But at the same time, if you're looking to travel further abroad, Southwest obviously doesn't fly to every destination. You need to keep your options open. But you again, it really goes back to really understanding each loyalty program. And as far as status is concerned, you know, it's one of those things where it can be very interesting because in most cases, earning status with airlines is very difficult because they want your real money, right? So you got to spend dollars, you got to fly with them a lot, fly different segments before you actually earn status. That said, some credit cards will give you basic status for free, which might come with some additional benefits such as airport lounge access, free check baggage. These things come at a cost normally. So even just having a credit card could end up saving you $50, $100 each trip, which is well worth it. But again, you, you know, I can't emphasize how much, how important it is to really understand the credit cards, the loyalty programs, and what you're entitled to. Because once you start to understand the game, that's where you really start to maximize the benefits. So I see a lot about credit card companies offering signing bonuses, right? You get a TD card, you get a Chase card, and they're like, we're going to give you an extra 100000 points or we're going to give you, you know, a credit, a statement credit for X amount of dollars or whatever it is. So, um, and you know, there's different things with like Visa and MasterCard and American Express, and they're all partnering with different hotel companies or airlines. So what would you say is like the most important thing for somebody to look for when they're looking at getting a new card, if they're looking for like travel benefits, if that's like their main thing? 
there's a lot to talk about here. So I would say, think about what your goals are, are again. You know, looking back, we were saying, let's just say, hey, I want to take a flight, go back home, visit my mom. It's going to cost me 100,000 points on whatever airline. But when you start to look at the airline credit cards, you might quickly see that, hey, this airline, if I sign up for the credit card, they'll actually give me 100,000 points. I just got to spend X amount of dollars to get those points. So obviously, that's a huge benefit right there. But also a lot of credit cards, especially the U.S. credit cards, they give you a lot of annual credits that can really be worth your while. For example, you know some credit cards might have a $400 U.S. annual fee, but they'll give you $300 worth of credits. That could be airline credits, hotel credits, statement credits on restaurants. So when you think about it, your annual fee is maybe only $100. But at the same time, they also might give you an annual benefit, say 10,000 points. So if those points are worth, say, $100, all of a sudden, you're getting $400 in annual benefits while paying an annual fee of $400. So you're breaking even. But of course, we're not even factoring all those additional benefits. So there's a lot and a lot of value there. But what a lot of people don't realize is that there are literally hundreds of credit cards out there. And you can sign up for multiple credit cards that will give you the same points currency. They obviously all end up in your same currency bank account, uh, or rather points account. So the idea of earning hundreds of thousands of points over a short period of time is actually not that difficult. Assuming you're good with your credit cards, you know, you're paying off your bills in full every single month because the points aren't worth it if you're paying interest on them. That's a really good point. And so you're collecting these points. So, you know, the ideal traveler, they get a card, they're maximizing the benefits, they understand the benefits and they're they're collecting their points and they're going to transfer them to miles or or room stays at hotels and so I remember a conversation we had once you were you were saying that you don't want to let your points just sit there. So maybe talk a little bit about that because I think that that's something for all of us. We kind of like look at, we're going to save. We're going to hold on to our points. We're going to wait till we get to the upper tier and then we're going to use them. But you said that that's not really the best use of them, right? That's right. Loyalty points are essentially a currency. And as far as like, you know, the airlines or hotel partners are concerned, that's a, a cost on their end. So it doesn't matter if you haven't used them, it's still on their books. So the reason you want to use your points as quickly as possible is because these loyalty programs can change at any moment. So that flight that may have cost you 50,000 points just last week, they might announce that, hey, it's now going to cost you 60,000 points. In addition, a lot of these loyalty programs already use dynamic pricing. That's where, you know, when there's more demand, it'll cost you more points. When there's less demand, it'll cost you fewer points. So if you see a redemption that's worth your while, that's going to meet your goals, you should be using your points as soon as possible. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it makes sense to save your points if you're looking for that luxury travel experience, like an over-the-water villa at a hotel or business class flight but I wouldn't be saving millions of points. So try to come up with that goal, use your credit cards to reach that goal, and then redeem those points as soon as possible, and then start the process all over again. So you travel a lot for work and for fun. What are some of the things that you do when you're traveling to sort of maximize your experience? Uh, you know, it really depends on what I'm doing. So over the last couple of years, due to the pandemic, it was actually really easy to earn airline and hotel status. And this is actually arguably the last year where those benefits are going to remain because, you know, as far as a lot of the travel industry is concerned, the pandemic is kind of over. So those generous benefits are starting to go away. So I'm trying to maximize them as, as much as I can. You know, taking advantage of the free breakfast at, at a couple hotel chains that I have status with, taking advantage of my e-credit upgrades at Air Canada so I can get business class flights for cheap. Even though I travel a lot, earning the high tier status is actually very difficult for me because my personal goal is to spend as little money as <laughs> no money as possible. And I won't get that high status unless I'm actually 
spending money or I've made a deal with the airline. So, so you, you know, just maximizing those perks are good to me. But in the end, you know, I've got a daughter, just one child. There's three of us. Traveling has become more expensive. Some people listening may not realize that airfare has never been more expensive. You know, I recently booked a trip to Hong Kong. It was about two and a half times more than it was pre-pandemic. For context, it was normally it's about $1,200 to fly to Hong Kong in Canadian dollars. Now it's about $2,500 to $3,000, which is absolutely insane. And this applies to all over the world, regardless of where you're going, unless you're staying within the U.S. Flights within the U.S. are still relatively inexpensive. But overall, flights have gone up. I use points to help me save money. I don't expect it to be free every single time, but if it helps me offset my travel expenses. It's a net positive for me. So you've traveled a lot to far-flung places. You said you have a trip to Hong Kong coming up. That sounds super exciting. Where are some places that are on your list that you haven't visited yet that you're sort of looking at going when like the opportunity is right? You know, I'm fortunate that I've been to most places where I, I want to go to. And maybe because I'm getting older and I've got a daughter now, I don't want to just check off destinations on my list. But, you know, I'll talk about the destinations I actually really enjoy. Japan's one place that I'm very fond of. And funny enough, that Hong Kong trip... I realized it was actually cheaper to fly back from Japan. It was a significant price difference. And the cost of fly from Hong Kong to Tokyo was pretty reasonable. So I'm actually going to go back to Japan for a few days. And because my parents are coming on this trip, they've never been. So it's a nice way to show them a new country that they would never have visited on their own. So that's a nice experience. But, you know, I would say one country that I just haven't made it to that I just personally really want to see is Austria. Vienna is just a place I've always wanted to go for no real reason. I just think it looks really pretty. I've been in the airport. I haven't left. I've made it to Salzburg, oddly enough, as a day trip for Munich, but I haven't actually made it to Vienna. I know the tourism board, they've been trying to get me to go there. Timing doesn't always work out, especially once you have kids. But, you know, overall, there's a lot of destinations I've been to. I'm very fortunate. I would say the only other place I haven't been to that I really want to check out is Australia, but it's obviously just so far to get to. The time commitment is is difficult. Yes, Australia is certainly very far. There's actually a Shangri-La in Sydney that I've heard is really outstanding, and I would love to go as well. But Japan is, I feel like, the top of everybody's list right now. The new Travel and Leisure uh, just came out, and in that, it's a whole issue dedicated to Japan. And I think because the pandemic in Japan being closed for so long, their borders, that there's this heightened awareness and excitement about traveling there. So it's super cool that you're going to go with your family soon. I would love to go. I think that the culture and the food just sounds so different from what I'm used used to and aware, and I would just love to experience it. So I can't wait to hear about your trip after you go. So you're traveling a lot, you're using your points. And I think that you have a a really strong handle on this because you've made it your job, you've made it your mission. And you, like you were saying at the beginning of our conversation, you've made it your point to study about it. And you were okay with being a beginner at the start of this and sort of learning everything there is to know about loyalty programs, about how to redeem your points for good rewards. What are you seeing in the loyalty space? Like, are there any new programs that you have heard of that are coming out or anything, any changes in programs that you're familiar with that you would say that are really good for customers? You know, good is a relative term because like I was saying earlier, every single program constantly evolves and changes. But I think for consumers, they got to find that sweet spot for every single program that exists for a short period of time before the programs realize that it's costing them too much money and they got to make their adjustments. But, you know, I'll say this in general for people listening, because this is more practical. When you read about loyalty blogs or, you know, points blogs, points websites, they're really focused on the high-end traveler. They're talking about, hey, sign up for these credit cards, you know, fly business class. This is how I flew Emirates first class, took a shower in the sky. 
for nothing. So that's really nice if you're looking for those really, really fancy experience. But I think for the average traveler, they just want to save money, right? So you don't need to know every single detail about every single hotel loyalty program, airline loyalty program. But if you sign up for one credit card a year, it will help you save money. But I will say as far as sweet spots are concerned, you know, one very easy example to give you is with Marriott Bonvoy, when you book five nights on points, you're only charged for four nights. So that is basically a free night really helps you reduce the cost of your points. Uh, with Aeroplan, Air Canada, it's based on distance and where you're flying from. So a flight on Aeroplan from, say, Toronto to New York can be very inexpensive, especially if you're flying during the off-season where it's not as popular. So again, it really comes down to just some basic math and seeing where it makes sense. But quite often, honestly, just signing up for a new credit card, the amount of points you get, that alone will be worth your trouble because you know, just the annual benefits you get. Sometimes the first year is free. It'll help you offset that travel for the first time. And then you can do the process all over again the next year with another credit card. I noticed on, I was looking to book flights on Delta and I noticed that they offer a 15% discount if you use miles. So I was thinking about it and I was like, I wonder if they have a lot of miles that have yet to be redeemed, that they're really encouraging people to book with miles because like the pandemic, like you were saying, people hadn't been able to travel, but they were still accumulating miles and points, et cetera. So do you think that there are other brands right now that are trying to encourage point redemption like that? You know, loyalty programs are always trying to get your money one way or another. And, you know, I actually like that whenever an airline or hotel chain offers you to come a discount. You know, maybe, like you said, with Delta, get 15% less points. Aeroplan's done similar things where it's like, hey, if you book a flight, we're on Aeroplan points, you actually get 15% back in points. I think it's just a way for these loyalty programs to keep consumers engaged, especially over the last couple of years uh, where people haven't been traveling, just getting people to use their points or get people excited about loyalty programs in general. You know, the best loyalty programs are usually run by people who are loyalty freaks instead of, say, accountants. And like, I hate to say it, but that's just reality. If you've got someone running a program who enjoys the program, who enjoys traveling redemptions, then you're going to have a good program because they know consumers are looking for value. Uh, so there's always fun and interesting things that every loyalty program is doing. But it's obviously hard for consumers to take advantage of everything. You know, another good example was, you know, at the beginning of the year, Mirror Up Envoy, they had a, a promo where if you paid a cash night, uh, you got two times the status qualifying nights. So the hardcore people, what they would do is, you know, fly down to a country where the average night is only $20 a night or something. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they've got top status for the year for a relatively low price. That may sound ridiculous, but these people are chasing the lifetime goals, where after 10 years of reaching status, it's for life. So again, you're, you're essentially prepaying for status that you'll be able to take advantage of literally for the rest of your life. So sometimes it's thinking about the long game. I also noticed with Bonvoy that if you reach a certain tier, they give you like sweet upgrades, which I actually have found to be really hard to redeem. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, it's great that I have these, but I, they keep on expiring on me because I don't get a chance to upgrade them because when I want to, they're like, oh, it's not available. So have you ever gone back to a loyalty program and said, hey, I wasn't able to, to get this. Can you extend the benefit? Do you think that they would do that? You know, I would say during the pandemic, loyalty programs are very reasonable about extending benefits, but uh, these days, not so much. But I really love the fact that you brought up the Sweet uh, Night Awards with Merit Bonvoy because it's very controversial for basically the exact reason you said. They don't always get upgraded, right? And quite often, basically, it says, oh, you're guaranteed an upgrade, but you only find out five days in advance. And that assumes the suite is available. 
But the thing is, for you to get those suite upgrades, you need to have status to begin with. And you would have got that upgrade anyways if it was available on check-in. So like a five-day difference to me is not a big deal because realistically speaking, it would have either been available or not. How many people are going to book up those suites within those five days where you're going to qualify or not? So for me, I had the exact same problem. I learned from that lesson. The next year when I was offered the suite night upgrades, it's basically one of the benefits you can choose. I actually decided to choose the five status qualifying nights instead because I'm like, you know what? This will get me to the higher tier. Instead, in the long run, it'll probably be more beneficial. Almost every single time where I've actually had a suite upgrade and ended up being on the day of arrival. So there's no point in claiming those suite night upgrades. But again, this is kind of like what we were talking about earlier. You know, using the benefits where it benefits you the most, using your points when it makes sense, and just learning the ins and outs of loyalty programs. Sometimes it requires some trial and error. You learn from your mistakes. But even, you know, I was on a plane from Toronto to Houston and the guy beside me was telling me he flies, like he probably stays in hotels 10 nights a month. And I was like, well, do you have status? He's like, oh, you know, no, because I just kind of book whatever I feel like. But I was explaining to him like, well, Mira Bonvoy, you know, it sounds like you're traveling all these different places. If you sign up for two credit cards in the US, you start with 40 status qualifying nights. For a traveler like you, it's actually not difficult to earn lifetime status. And he just gave me this look where his eyes kind of lit up. And he's like, I don't know why I never thought about this before because usually I just have my my secretary book me something nice. But I'm like, yeah, just tell her to book you a Marriott. That's nice. And then it was just hilarious, just this conversation we have, especially when you start talking to people who travel regularly. Uh, quite often, you just don't think about it, even though you do it on a regular basis. I mean, Marriott has over 5,000 hotels, I think, in the U.S. and Canada alone. So that traveler, you changed his life. (laughs) Oh, wow. I feel like there's so many things to learn about loyalty and rewards. I think that travelers these days really should think about the advice that you shared in terms of being loyal to one brand, figuring out what works the most. If it's in your, you know, your home airport or, you know, your primary airport that you fly from, finding the carrier that has their hub there and then, you know, maximizing that and their destinations and understanding where they fly, what their code share partners are too. I think that that's a whole other layer. Before we wrap up, Barry, I would love to know if there's any other advice you have for travelers in terms of like navigating the new travel sort of systems that have come into place after the pandemic is sort of waning in a lot of ways. But, you know, it's still around. There's still concerns. And like, I think that a lot of hotels were willing to and airlines who were willing to like give you your refund if you had COVID or if you weren't able to travel due to other things. So what are some things that maybe people can do now to make sure that they're still getting the best out of travel? There's actually a lot of things you can do. And these things have nothing to do with loyalty whatsoever. You know, when you talk about hotels, booking fully refundable hotels is the way to go. In my opinion, you know, most hotels that have a full refund policy as long as you cancel within 48 hours. So you can essentially hold a hotel reservation for months. And then say a week before, you know you're going to go for sure. You could technically do one quick search to see if there's any cheaper hotels you can find, book that and then cancel your other one, knowing that you still got a backup plan. But other things you can do, you know, navigating the new system. You know, obviously airport delays are longer in certain countries, especially here in Canada. There's more security lines. But most airports in Canada now have express lines that anyone can use as long as you reserve a slot in advance. You know, before we started recording this podcast, we were talking about getting a Nexus card. So yeah, you know, you got to do an interview and it takes a little bit of time to set it up. But once you have it, it's good for five years. The renewal process is very simple. That will help you get through customs on both ends 
or even something simple like thinking about the days and time where you travel. If you avoid, say, Friday to Monday uh, and travel Tuesday through Thursday, you know, in the afternoon, there are a lot of ways to save money and to avoid the stress at airports. You just got to use some basic tips. Uh, It has nothing to do with loyalty points whatsoever. Thank you so much for joining us today, Barry. You shed some really important intelligence on travel and loyalty and rewards. And we're really excited to see what comes next on your blog, uh, Money We Have, and to see you on City TV here in Toronto and to read your Globe and Mail pieces. So thanks so much for joining us. No problem.